Thank you, Lord. Well, is everybody ready for some word today? Good, good. Let's do this. Go over, go over with me in, uh, in the Bible to Mark chapter 6. Mark the 6th chapter. And let's continue today with the series that we've been in, taken out last week, the series that we've been in. And uh, the passage is Mark chapter 6, the first six verses. The Lord dealt with me to teach from this passage and to take my time. Uh, When I say take my time, I don't mean it's going to be necessarily a 15-part series, uh, like that much time, but in, in, in reading through this to really... Uh, milk it, if you will, to really see the truths that are revealed there so we can avoid the same problems that these people had. Mark 6, verse 1, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, Prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching. And so this series is on, it's a negative negative title, but uh, something that we need to be aware of. This series is called Unbelief. It is the ultimate blessing blocker. And so we want to remove it. From our hearts. At all costs, we got to get it out of our lives. Just like someone would go to extreme lengths to get rid of cancer or to get rid of some infectious thing in their body uh, that, that causes them harm and maybe death. Unbelief is a, is a spiritual condition that affects the soul. It is something that, that influences our very actions and decisions every day. It hinders our relationship with God. It absolutely blocks His blessings from flowing. Jesus Himself was stopped. His, his ability to affect change in people to the healing of their bodies was stopped because of the unbelief that existed in their hearts. And so we should not ignore these realities today and not think that it could be an issue ever that would hinder us from walking in God's best. How many know that receiving from God often involves other people through whom His power will flow? And that was the case in, in, in Jesus' hometown. It wasn't that these guys were calling out to God for a direct intervention. No, God was working through the Son. The Father was working through Jesus. And it was their rejection of, their offense toward, their unbelief in Jesus that resulted in God the Father not being able to do His will in their lives. Okay? And so, uh, and so that, just like it happened then, it is also happening today. It's, it's not only necessary to have faith in God, but, but it, many times it's necessar- necessary to have faith in the vessel that God is using. I mean, no, God always uses people. Jesus is the head, we are the 
body, the body of Christ. In other words, God is always going to use a hand and a foot and an arm and an elbow and an eye and a mouth. In other words, different parts of His body will carry messages, will carry out tasks, will do His will, will fulfill His plan. And, and if we have this idea that I don't like the vessel that God's power, His Word, His work is flowing through, then our offense towards an individual or even our unbelief in a vessel, a person that God is using, ultimately stops God from working in us and through us. You know, I've, I've found this, but at times when I've ministered to people, ministered, laid hands on the sick, uh, and, and, and I know where their condition is, or I recognize that they don't really know much about this, you know, sometimes I'll this might sound strange, but I'll try to stir up their faith in me. Now, not ultimately so I get glory because in and of myself I can do nothing. It'll all end up going to Jesus. But I know that a lot of people are having trouble contacting God directly. That's the ultimate goal. That's where we all should be and we can be there. But if someone's having trouble contacting God directly, simply be by unbelief, through lack of knowledge, through unawareness of His grace and love for them. Well, I'm going to step in in the middle and if they'll believe me, I'll help them connect to God. If they'll believe the words that I say. You know, it's kind of like this. Jesus would go around teaching in the synagogues. It was his custom to open to Isaiah. And he would read how the prophet said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Jesus was saying that. He said, and by the way, that's me. That prophecy, that's talking about me. What is he trying to do? Get people to believe that God's power, in other words, the anointing, is not just in the Father's control, but it is upon him as a man on the earth. And if we recognize that God does that for us and to us through others, then we have faith in the power of God, but we have faith in God's power working through an individual. Okay, and so again, in all these matters, we, we, we recognize that taking an offense towards an individual could stop God's power from flowing to us and in our lives and, and not recognizing the, the spiritual side, uh, believing that someone is anointed, believing that someone is doing God's work is essential for God to use that person or those people to minister to us in our lives. So, in this case, again, they had to get their eyes off the carpenter, and they had trouble doing that. They saw this guy as someone that grew up with him. They saw the guy who could build a good cabinet, but healing is a little beyond him. And that shut down the power of God from working. They needed to focus on what uh, he was saying, the words he was bringing. They needed to focus on the anointing that was on his life. Now, you're in Mark chapter 6. Just real close there is Mark chapter 5, and there was a guy, he was a ruler of the synagogue, so he was, he had a, he was a religious person of position, and his name was Jairus, and he had this situation where, uh, let's see, his daughter was at the point of death, and he came seeking out Jesus. How many know, that, that, that's one reason we should be in relationship with people who are not saved? Because, listen, this world will beat people up. At some point or another, someone's going to go through something. They're going to have something that's beyond their control. And, and that's not God doing that to them. But how many know when they're going through it, we ought to be there. 
We ought to be there because we have answers, don't we? And anyway, he was a religious leader. And, you know, as a general rule, those religious leaders were not pro-Jesus. They were more anti. But he had his daughter who was about to die, so he came seeking out Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to come. And on his way, he got interrupted. Remember that woman who had the, the flow of blood for 12 years? And that whole scenario took place, and she got healed. And when he was done speaking with her, uh, they came back and said, uh, well, verse 35... Mark 5.35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, when did he do this? Right away. As soon as he heard it, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Everybody say only. Believe. Now, why would Jesus say this to... I don't believe that the Lord was telling him these things just to be comforting. I mean, his daughter died. He, he wasn't saying, you know, the, well, the Holy Spirit, He'll comfort you during your loss. And you just need to adapt. People die all the time and it's just a part of life and you need to... No, no, no. He was giving him a word. He said, right now, he, he immediately responded to that statement. Jesus knew this thing is going to turn on what happens right now. This child's life is hanging in the balance based upon what you do, father of the child. What you do right now will make all the difference. So he got right in his face immediately. He didn't give him any time to think about it, any time to, to ponder and, and, and worry and imagine life without his daughter and how, how he was going to deal with this. No, Jesus immediately got in his faith and said, don't be afraid, man. Do not fear. Only, what? Believe. Only believe. Why did Jesus say this? Because this was necessary to get the desired result. We know this story probably wouldn't be here, but the daughter was raised up. Okay? So, knowing that, was this a key component to this uh, synagogue leader's daughter being raised up? Did this matter or were these just words? Jesus was just talking. It didn't really matter what he said or, or, or did. No, absolutely essential that this man not be afraid and that he only believe. If that was true for him, could it be true for us that we run up against a circumstance, we get a report, we get a negative thing that comes our way? Does it matter what we do right then? I'll sometimes, I tell you what, sometimes that point, that is a hinge which will sway this thing one way or the other. It's either going to go downhill and we're going to lose this battle or we're going to overcome. And in this case, it was extreme, obviously, with the, with, with the daughter dying. But Jairus here was suddenly faced with a choice. So Jesus intervened to keep his focus on the solution and not on the problem. See, this will help us to operate in belief and not unbelief. He got him to focus on what? The solution. Get him focused on the answer. Get him focused on the power of God. Don't think about. Don't be preoccupied with. Don't be uh, overwhelmed with the report that you got because that is, you know, it was big time negative. All right. How many know that living by faith is living by the Word of God? It makes God's Word right above everything else and everything else that is, that, that is seen if a person is losing a battle, they either don't know what God's Word says, 
to them about their situation, or they have chosen to not make that word supreme. And we have to make a choice when we've got a word from God and a circumstance that contradicts it. We're going to choose which one are we going to look at? Which one are we going to focus on? What are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what we see, what we feel, what the report is, what others say? Or are we going to override it with the Word of God? We all have a choice every day as to how we respond to these things. We need to make that Word supreme in our lives. I know that a man of God, Smith Wigglesworth, one day was having a meeting. And this man came and he had, a, had some big problems, some physical uh, conditions in his body. And so uh, Smith ministered to him, laid hands on him, and, and said, you're healed. And, uh, and this guy came back the next day in the meeting. And he st- apparently stood up or interrupted or something and said, this man is a phony. He said, he, he, he uh, you know, prayed for me and uh, I'm no different. My body is just as bad as it was as, as it was before. He's a fake. He's a phony. And Smith stood up and said, he said, no, actually, you're healed. You are healed. You just don't believe it. And dealt with that situation that quick. And what happened and it, with this guy is he came back, I think it was the ne- very next night, and testified again. Because <laughs> he realized, no, it wasn't that the, me- the man of God was a phony. It wasn't that he was saying things that weren't true. It was a reality is he just didn't believe that he was healed. And therefore, the physical side of it never, never was altered. But after he got that word, he made an adjustment, and he came back the next night healed. See, we need to recognize there are words from God that are absolute. They are, they are without question. They are without contradiction. But it's up to us whether we accept them or not. We can accept them to be so, or we can just live our lives in accordance with what we see and feel. Is anybody with me today? I hope this is helping. I know sometimes these words are challenging when we look at our own circumstances and maybe decisions we've made in the past, but we must make a choice to believe. We must make a choice in the middle of whatever circumstance we are in to say God is bigger than this. His word is stronger. His power is present. And I will not have it this way. It will not be this way. I believe God. And so if sickness hits your body, what are you going to do? You know, if a financial storm comes into your life, what will you believe? What will you believe? Faith must be alone. Only believe. In other words, no doubt or unbelief mixed in with it. See, it's, it's, that, it's that mixture that probably a whole lot of us live with on a regular basis. It's that combination. We've got some good stuff going on there. And we've also got some ugly, stinking unbelief that we've let exist in our hearts for a very long time. It's, it's kind of like uh, there's the thought that one cancels out the other. You know, it's like if I, if I don't want to have any sugar, I don't want to eat any sugar, which I do, of course, but, but that's another subject. <laughs> but if I don't, don't want to have any sugar and I'm... Uh, and I and I want to have a, a a soda. I want to have a Coke to drink. Well, do I take you know? Let's say I go up to one of those uh, you know the fountains, and I take my cup. Do I fill it half full with Coke, and then say, well, I know that's got sugar in it, so I'm going to cancel that out by filling the other half with Diet Coke, right? 
And then the diet part of it will, the, the, the no sugar part will cancel out the sugar part. And I'll come out perfect. Right? No. Well, what's, what's going on there? But they're both going to exist. <laughs> they're both going to exist at the same time. The diet part and the regular sugar part are both going to be in existence in my cup and therefore in my stomach. Right? Likewise, it is with, uh, with uh, believing. It's not that uh, if I just um, give a little attention to the Word, that all unbelief or whatever I believe cancels out all unbelief. Many times, it's just a matter of quantity. And if I can lower the quantity of the sugar, if I can keep going less and less and less, well, the less sugar, in this case, will be in my body. Likewise, it is with unbelief. I can keep backing it out, backing it out by filling my cup with the right thing, by filling my cup up with the Word of God, so that the end result is it's that, that unbelief is having a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller effect upon my life, my decisions, and what I receive from God until it's gone and I just, you know, only believe. And there are situations like when, the, when your daughter dies... That only believing is necessary. That having fear in your heart at all is going to hinder the process. It's going to hinder God from working. See, Jesus knew how the power of God worked. He knew what the, what, what, what the will of God was. But he knew how it worked. And that fear would be a hindrance to it. That unbelief would be a hindrance to it happening. So he got right in that guy's lap. I tell you what, a good friend will do this for you. Someone who really loves you and cares about you. They'll get in your face, not because they're upset with you or, or they're trying to knock you down. They'll get in your face and say, come on now. Let's believe God. Let's only believe in this situation. You've got this story. You've got this thing that happened. Let's believe God and we'll get over it. And they look you in the eye. And they, they help you by driving out. Jesus was helping this man to get the victory. And it worked. Jesus said, said how do you know the guy didn't fear anymore? Because it worked. Well, maybe he feared and it worked anyway. Then why did Jesus say it? Then Jesus would have said, I fear all you want to. You can believe or disbelieve. I got this one. That wasn't the case or this conversation never would have happened. He would have just told the man, ah, don't worry about it. Well, I got it covered. No. His heart condition did contribute to the end result of God moving in this situation. All right? Uh, and so we don't want to have, have this mixture. You know, uh, the Bible says about Abraham in Romans 4.20 that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. What did he not do? He didn't waver. He didn't go back and forth. He didn't have a little bit of Coke, a little bit of Diet Coke. Uh, drinking that at the same time. No, he didn't waver. Abraham moved himself from a position to where he laughed at it, where this was not going to happen at the promise of God, to where he did not waver at all. He was strong, strengthened in faith. Every one of us can do this. Go over to Mark chapter 9, just a few pages to your right there. Thank God for the book of Mark and everyone named Mark. Uh, (laughs) Or spot, or whatever. <laughs> you heard about the guy that had spilled spot remover on his dog? <laughs> it was gone. 
Mark chapter 9 and verse 21. See, this was a situation happening over here where this father brought his son uh, to Jesus. He'd been having the, the seizures. So he asked his father in verse 21, uh, or Jesus asked him, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Verse 22, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. What did the guy say? If you can do anything, talking to Jesus, what did Jesus say? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Notice the difference of attention here. Notice the difference of focus. The guy said, if you could do anything, help. Jesus looked at him and said, problem's not on the doing side. Problem's not with the ability here. He said, if you can believe, anything can happen. All things become possible to him who believes. Likewise, it is today. Many times we have this focus on the wrong thing. Not realizing that if we can believe something, there's never a power shortage in heaven. There is never a lack of ability on God's side. There is never a lack of power present. All right, But if we can believe all things become possible to him who believes. I tell you what, if we were having the driest, deadest, is that a word? Service here. I mean, we're not, right? Uh, we were having, it was just flat, you know, water's being rolled down the aisle because it's so dry. If we were having just nothing happening here, I mean, no anointing. It's just, it's just, just not real, real good. But a person... Any individual who chose to believe one word from God, they could have the most dramatic miracle and healing or victory or something in their life in the midst of everyone else being bored out of their brains. There is something about having faith in what God has said in His unchanging promises that brings God on the scene. One person said that God will pass over a thousand people just to get, over, just to, get to one person who will believe Him. There is something about a bold faith that gets a hold of the attention and power of God. All right? And so, anyway, he said, If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, immediately the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, why did this guy say this? So this is kind of annoying a little bit. Well, one reason is because Jesus just got done rebuking the group because the disciples tried to cast this spirit out but didn't get the job done. And, uh, and so Jesus said, ah, faithless generation. You know, he said, it's because of your unbelief. So I get this, guess this guy's probably feeling the pressure a little bit, saying, yeah, it wasn't like I was believing. But he's saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. Now, what, what, what some people have done is they've made this one verse the standard. I've heard preachers say this, and they teach this, that this is the way you should approach God. Whenever you're praying, you should say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That is not a prescription for how we are to pray. This is not, Jesus didn't say, now this is the way you do it. You just have to acknowledge belief and unbelief. No, you don't. Our goal is to not have the unbelief. Our desire is just to believe God and treat Him like He's faithful and true no matter what the circumstance. Okay, This is not a prescription. I don't encourage this. Now, say, well, he did it and he got results. That shows us what the true content of his heart was. Because if he would have just said, I really don't believe, I'm full of unbelief, would his son have gotten delivered? No, that's the direct reason Jesus said it wasn't working. Everybody with me today? 
All right. And so, yes, he was honest, and yes, there was a humility factor there, and that's what we should all have. And I'm not saying someone couldn't be honest with the Lord and say, hey, I'm not believing here uh, like I ought to be. I believe this, but I'm struggling. I'm not saying that would be wrong to do, but that's not the goal or the or the prescribed plan that however, whenever we pray, we should say, I believe and I don't believe. I have belief and I have unbelief. No, we should believe. <laughs> And you can see by the result of this, I mean, this is my, I don't know, opinion, I guess, of how this word, if I think about the Coke and the Diet Coke, I'm thinking, had to be at least 51.49 on the believing side. Maybe 52.48. You know what I'm talking about? In other words... The believing had to be at least some degree stronger than the unbelieving that was present or nothing would have happened. We see that again, I've shown you through this series, again and again and again through scriptures that unbelief shuts down the power of God and how we overcome it. So because the the desired result did take place here through Jesus, not through his disciples, uh, then there must have been some believing. But we can also see from Jesus' hometown that when unbelief gets strong enough, only small miracles happen. Only minor ailments are healed. Small things. And Jesus was drastically opposed to the power of God being limited in His ministry. Okay? And so, uh, let's, talk, let me, let's finish up with this today. I want to talk about how unbelief is revealed. How could we identify it within ourselves? Okay, do, do a quick, you know, CAT scan. Let's do some x-ray. Uh, how could we identify if we are operating in unbelief ourselves? We've, we've seen a number of things already through this, uh, the first part of this series. But I want to give you two more here today. Number one, unbelief is uncovered or revealed by what we consider. It is revealed and shown by what we consider, all right? When there are thoughts of a backup plan, when we have the mentality that if this doesn't work, then I will do this. I'm going to pray, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to st- I'm going to have people get around me, I'm going to come to a healing meeting, I'm going to uh, I'm going to do all these things. But if that doesn't work, then I'm going to do this. Okay, that is a revelation of where our heart really is. That is a clear indicator that we have unbelief existing because we've got this plan B. We've got this backup plan in case God isn't strong enough. In case God is not real. In case whatever. There's some sort of uh, power outage in heaven. And we can never get anywhere with God by approaching Him that way. He must be always absolute, without fail. This works 100% of the time. Those are the people I enjoy. I really enjoy helping if they want me to pray and agree with them or lay hands on them. Someone who says, this is just the way it is. You do this, I'll, it'll be done. God will do this. It'll just be so. That's the easiest thing in the world. I mean, I can, I can come off of a big meal and take care of that one. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I just had dinner and, and someone who believes like that, I just, bang, that's done. Cause why? Because they believe God. 
All right. And so when someone says, should I have surgery? Well, that's a revelation of where your heart is. I'm not saying that you sh- I'm not saying the surgery would be the wrong thing. I'm saying if the question exists, that's a revelation of where you're at with God and your healing. Because if someone has is full on believing, they are absolutely certain of what God has done and what their body will do. They don't ask those questions. Say that kind of hurts a little bit. I know, but it's true. So don't we want to know where we're at? I mean, because we are not interested in hiding our head in the sand. I've seen people do that. They just ignore everything, ignore all circumstances, ignore uh, their heart condition, and they, they just, I won't look at anything. I won't acknowledge anything. I won't, listen, if, if unbelief is present, let, let's diagnose it so we can deal with it. Let's get it out of there. But to just ignore and say, oh, I can't think about that because that would be unbelief. Well, the unbelief sometimes is there even when you don't think about it. You know, should I call so-and-so for financial help? Well, yes, you should. (laughs) Say, really? Why do you say that? Well, because you asked. Because you have the thought. It's either that or do serious surgery. I'm talking a different kind now. Serious heart surgery to remove yourself from the place where you want to ask that. We all believe what we believe. I am where I am today in my faith. You are where you are today in your faith. It's not that we have to, uh, you know, put, put one person down for being where they're at. We're all where we are. And to, to know where we're at and to acknowledge the questions that we have can lead to us coming up and coming out when we know how to do that. But to just ignore it and say, I have perfect faith in all areas of all of God's Word and everything He said. I walk a foot above the air. Uh, I just don't do it here because I don't want to show off. You know, I spend all my time in the Spirit. Well, if, you're, if that's true, more power to you. Awesome. But if you don't, don't act like it. Especially at church. We don't want to be fake and phony with each other. I have this spiritual air where we want everyone to think that we're f- much further than, we're, than we are. Because if we are so much further, then where's the results? Ouch. And so, uh, again, it is about believing that God's grace is continually providing and making uh, life work. Unbelief sometimes is revealed, when, and this is not the second point yet, but it's, it's disguised with, with sayings like, you know, we should use wisdom. Well, and face value, yes, of course we should use wisdom. But sometimes that is just unbelief coming through. We're not going to believe God, we're going to use wisdom. I'm kind of thinking believing God is wisdom. I'm thinking trusting in His promise and His provision, His power is the wisest thing we could ever do. And so we don't want to mask our unbelief by making statements. Uh, Well, we just want to use wisdom here. Amen. Listen, this came to me in my office uh, uh, before service. We need to have greater faith in God's ability to give us victory than we have faith in the enemy's ability to attack us. We need to have more confidence in God's grace that surrounds us and provides for us every day than we do have faith in this corrupt world system to take away from us and, and ruin our lives. Say, well, we live in a fallen world. I know, but God... 
Well, there are germs in the air. Sure, but God. Well, you know, our food lacks nutrition now. and it doesn't, I know, but God. But there are this, I'm getting older. I know, but God. We put our confidence in so many things that are debilitating and taking away and subtracting from our lives. And we think about them. And I'm telling you, what you consider is what's going to be in your heart. God is bigger. Let me give you these two, two verses. We won't take time to, to, to turn to them. Hebrews 3.1 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. I like that language. What did it say? Consider Jesus. What should we consider? Jesus. Yeah, but what about the report, man? What about this circumstance? Did you see the news? Did you, see, no, did you hear about Jesus? Have you considered Jesus in this situation? Have you considered His power and love towards you? Come on now, somebody. Romans 4.19, about Abraham again. It said, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. What did he do? He didn't consider what he could feel, what he could see. He didn't consider his own body. What are you considering? This is a revelation of where your believing is. Unbelief exists when we are considering all the, th- the negative things and the physical circumstances in life that hold us back. All right, and then, and then finally, here, here, here's this. Unbelief is uncovered, it is revealed by giving up. It is uncovered, it is revealed by quitting, by giving up. Faith will get you going in the right, right direction. Unbelief will get you to quit if anything doesn't look just right. You know in the situation with the disciples and they tried to cast that, that spirit out of that man's son. And, uh, and, and the end result was what? It says that they, we, we couldn't do it. Or the father said, your disciples couldn't cast it out. Was that true? That actually wasn't true. It wasn't true that they couldn't do it. They had done it a number. They had done it quite a few times. This wasn't their first rodeo. They had been doing this. They had been casting spirits out. They had been getting healings to take place. And they run up in this situation. They couldn't do it this time. No, it just didn't respond immediately. And so they said, <clears throat> didn't work. Because we know they could. Jesus went and went ahead and cast it out. It wasn't that they couldn't, couldn't come out. And, and unbelief looks at circumstances. And when we, may, we take a step of faith, we take an action of following God. And we, if we don't see immediate change in all areas of, of life, we try something different. We back off and say, oh, this didn't work. Well, there's a revelation right there where your heart is. You see, it saw an opposition, something that didn't come together just like we thought it ought to, and we changed and went a different direction. Now it's time to starve our doubts. Now it's time to starve our unbelief and feed our faith. So we'll look at something in the eye, and even if it looks back for a moment and says, not moving, we say, oh, yes, you are, and I'll have it no other way. The will of God, the word of God will be supreme in this situation. And I will never back down from my stand on what God has said. See, that's a heart that is convinced. That is a heart that is full of faith. Sure, your mind will play tricks on you and thoughts will come. They do to all of us. But we're settled and we're established and we're driving out the Diet Coke or the Coke or whatever. We're, 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 we're just 
you know, we're, we're going to keep diluting it, keep diluting it, keep diluting it until it has no effect. And it's just, no, I just believe. I only believe. I'm not afraid. This shall be according to the, what the Lord has said to me. Amen? Amen? Amen. I've got another part to this. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna drain this unbelief out of our lives and, uh, and let the blessing of God flow in full force without hindrance. Without delay, we'll experience His best in every way. Amen? Stand up with me on your feet today, and let's worship the Lord. Let's take a few minutes now and connect with God. Worship is an expression of faith. It is the acknowledgement of His supreme place in our hearts and in our lives. We give Him mastery over every circumstance, over every thought, over every decision that we make. Let's believe God now.